Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Happy April 21st on Thursday. And uh, we don't always have a lot of guests on this podcast. You guys know that. It's kind of just me and monologues and the Gamecocks. But today we have a really good one. I want to welcome in South Carolina Director of Player Personnel, Taylor Edwards. Uh, As you guys know, I know you all follow recruiting. Taylor's the guy that heads this up uh, for the Gamecocks. So, Taylor, how are you doing today today? Uh, welcome into the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Yeah, man, doing well. I uh, appreciate you guys having me. Uh, it's uh, it's awfully quiet around the office right now, but getting a lot done with our guys out on the road recruiting. So it's kind of nice to be back uh, in a normal spring, whereas last year we didn't get a chance to do that uh, as, as a first-year staff because of the lingering effects of COVID. But it's been really, really good getting our guys back out on the road and, and things being a little bit more normal now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I thought that when you look at that class last year with a first-time staff uh, and really 2021 to have cobbled it together like like they did, there are some players that came in in 2021. But 2022, uh, to put it together to start in June, finish with a top 25 class, and then what you guys did in the portal, uh, just kind of speak to that and – how the staff kind of overcame what I thought were a bunch of obstacles uh, to sign a really good class. Yeah. You know, I mean, I always told coach Beamer kind of from the jump, like I I think this 23 class is, you know, very important. You know, it's hard when you come in, even though with the 22 class, you, you know, on paper, you may have had a full year of recruiting them, but when you really break it down, especially for us, uh, even even if things were perfectly normal, uh, being a first year staff, that that first class you sign is always tough because everything happens, as you guys well know, like it happens a lot earlier. It seems like every single year. Uh, but when you're a new staff, like you come in, you kind of reevaluate where you're at as a current roster from, from a current roster standpoint. But then once you kind of really get into recruiting and kind of set that recruiting board, 
you know, you find that you're probably a little bit behind with a lot of those guys. Uh, and then when you add to the fact that we came in and last spring we couldn't go out on the, to the road recruiting, we couldn't have anybody on campus until June the 1st, you know, you you compound everything with being a new st- – all those things with being a new staff. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely challenging. But, um, you know, I thought we brought in some, some key pieces. Um, we did a lot of good things, as you mentioned, in the portal uh, in the form of transfers. Um, you know, guys like Carlin Spatel that came in and played meaningful minutes in our secondary and provided key depth in an area that we needed it because we had a couple of transfers off of the team before when uh, when the staff was dismissed. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, we, we did a good job of, uh, of getting some key guys in some key roles that helped us get through last season and, and have a productive first year, um, from a, from a, from a winning standpoint. Taylor, you've, uh, when you got the job, I, I sort of, um, I was familiar with your work a bit, thought you were a really, really good fit. Uh, having been in a place like Arkansas and Maryland, I mean, you know, it's not the same recruiting at Georgia uh, or Alabama, as we all know, uh, as it is on some of the the brands that aren't as as popular, uh, especially in smaller states and smaller places with with less talent. Uh, So going from Fayetteville to D.C. and now to Columbia, you know, in a matter of years, you know, how do you like Columbia and South Carolina and – how have you taken what you kind of maybe learned, for lack of a better term, at uh, uh, at Arkansas, uh, which there are a lot of good players, obviously, that you recruited there, and also at Maryland, and then uh, coming back to the SEC at USC. You know, I, uh, I first and foremost love living here. Uh, I, I told Coach Beamer that um, not too long ago. We were talking, and um, actually in the process of buying a, a house, which is a first time for me. Uh, in this career, as you well know, you bounce around a lot and you climb and move and shake and kind of make moves. So uh, this is one of those places that I look at as, as a place I want to be here for a very long time. So I uh, absolutely love it here. Uh, it's it's close enough to home, which I'm from a Birmingham, Alabama native. So uh, close enough to home to where my parents can come up. They came up last year for the last week for the spring game. So I can get home in an afternoon, you know, that, that, that part of it's important. I don't have to get on an airplane and go uh, to travel anywhere, but um, love it. Uh, love living here, you know, to kind of touch on the recruiting piece. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's so, it's so funny because, you know, you, you, when you're at Arkansas, you recruit such a different pool of kids. I mean, you're, you're, you're recruiting the, that Midwest area and that Southeast Southwest area is what they used to call it, I guess. But, you know, you're recruiting a lot more Texas kids than probably what we do right now. Although we we've had success on landing a couple of kids out of the state of Texas, even here uh, through some relationships. So that's always been nice, but, you know, then you move up to, to, uh, to Maryland. And, you know, the one thing that I guess I learned more than anything is like when you really break things down geographically, um, the thing that I, I, I kind of sold to Coach Beamer, if you will, is, look, at the end of the day, like, we've got to win on guys in South Carolina because that's home. you got to win on guys in North Carolina because it's in your footprint. And you got to win on guys in Georgia. However, when teams like Clemson are rolling the way that they are, when teams like North Carolina are doing such a good job like they do, and teams like Georgia are, are, are winning at a high, high level, it makes winning those local battles – even tougher than they already would have been, right? So 
the thing that I kind of look at it is from a much broader scope. And I, I, I got two really good years in the mid Atlantic at Maryland and, and was able to kind of learn how it works in that area a little bit and learn that the caliber of player that was up there. And, and I always kind of looked at it like this. Well, like if you, if you break it down, South Carolina is the closest sec option for any of those kids. And I don't think that we need to go up there by any means and recruit it as, as if we do South or North Carolina or Georgia. But I think it's very important that we go into those areas. We identify what we think are the best players in those areas. And we see if we can gain some traction and get them on campus because, you know, a lot of, as as you guys know, like a lot of our student body comes from that Northeast area because their families spend time in Hilton head and Charleston and Myrtle beach. And they're very familiar with it. So you see a lot of, a lot of kids that are already very, they, they, they know more about South Carolina than you realize. So when you go up there and you stamp those three letters SEC in front of them, it just makes the allure even stronger. And, and I think it, it has played off for us. I mean, with guys like uh, Ryan Brubaker and, and Keenan Nelson, some of those higher profile guys that we were able to go up into PA and get um, some guys that we're on that I can't speak on directly that are, that we're on right now for this class uh, I'm super excited about. And, you know, I think it's important for us to go up and, and identify the top of the top of the rung up there and, and see if we can't go in and, and get in bed with some of those guys because they're difference makers. And we might not be able to go get the best player out of Georgia right now because at the end of the day, like you are what you are. Right. And we're a seven and six football team. While I'm very proud of that first year, we're not we're not Georgia. You know what I mean? And and Georgia just played for a national championship and won the darn thing. So reality is what it is. And I think it's important to uh, self-diagnose and know what you are as a program. And, 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 you know, we got to get guys that if, you know, if they're local guys, they're pro- they may be maybe in a little bit more developmental than a guy that may be a little bit more ready to play um, out of another area. But I think it's important for us to go up there and, and identify that top player and see if we can't make some motion with them because those guys can come in and immediately impact us. Yeah, I've, I've actually written this article. I wrote it during the Muschamp era. South Carolina's recruiting territory uh, primarily needs to be from Miami to Maine, the I-95 corridor you – you know, and you're right. And look, other SEC schools have gone up there. I mean, DeAndre Swift uh, from Philly went to Georgia. I know Alabama's had success with Jonathan Allen and guys like that um, in Northern Virginia, uh, D.C. And, you know, the Beamer name in Virginia, Maryland, D.C. really uh, plays a factor. And, and then you, you mentioned, you know, it's kind of like kids that go to Gainesville and uh, go to Florida. They think they're going to the beach, right? Uh it's not really the beach, but it's close enough, and, and kids like it. Same thing with South Carolina for kids up north. Um, all right, so so we have this conversation all the time on, on the website, and I, I consider you an excellent evaluator of talent, uh, having been in that business on the media side. You know, you, you got a lot of respect. Um, help me solve this debate. You know, you look at guys in the rankings, and I know you guys don't pay attention to that with your recruiting board or anything like that, but what I've found is oftentimes – that difference between a low four-star and a high three-star, and I preach this all the time, there's not that much. And if you go back and look at it, a lot of your high three-stars ended up end up going to the NFL, and a lot of the low four-stars can't play dead in a movie. Um, from your standpoint, just kind of explain that to the fans about the, you know, evaluations and, 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 the, and the, the point that, you know, that start at one little piece of data just means somebody somewhere isn't as high on the guy 
uh, and does it really matter? Yeah, you know, listen, I, I I appreciate and I respect the work that people at two four seven Sports and 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 now on three and and you know it used to be Scout. Now you you got still have rivals. Like I appreciate and I respect everybody's input and and work. I, I will be the first to admit. I catch myself looking at those profiles online, just like all the, the 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 normal fans do. So I'm not sitting here trying to discredit anything that they do by any stretch of the imagination. But I will tell you at the end of the day, like none of that, and I say this very pridefully, like none of that plays a factor in our decision-making. You know, there's so many different things that we look at depending on the position and the player. Um, you know, we have a list of critical factors in fact, like, I mean, you can, you know, this is, I can't, I don't know if I can get it to zoom or whatever, but I mean, this is it like, and it's front and back and it's, it's, it's every, you know, based off of what position that we're evaluating, it's every single critical factor that we're looking for from, you know, trying to identify how intelligent he is to how tough he is. So, you know, it doesn't, none of that really plays a decision in, in our final decision through the process it's we we evaluate the player based off of film obviously when you get the chance to go visit with the kid in person and meet coaches and meet trainers and meet academic staff and meet support staff within the program like what kind of person is he and then when you get a chance to get them on campus and meet their families and spend time with them individually and just trying to gauge what kind of guy you get you know I will tell you the first thing that, that drives me crazy nowadays is like this NIL piece. I think it's very good for the kids. I'm all for it. I think it, we, we should have done it five years ago. However, I, I do think that there's a component that you have to weed through now that you might not had to deal with 10 years ago. And that's if, like, where's the kid's heart? Like, does he love the game of football? Because a lot of times these kids might be making the decision for the wrong reason. And you got to make sure that, the, the guys are, are are making the decision for the right reason and that they love the game of football because, you know, I tell people that I tell people this all the time. I was talking to a kid in state the other day and it's going to come down to us in the Paul. And I'm going to tell you right now, like, like I told him, like, it's not easy to play here, man. It's hard. Like I watch our guys in the weight room. Our, our strength conditioning staff is, is in my opinion, second to none. And, and those guys, like, it's hard to be, a Gamecock. Like, well, you got to be rugged. You got to be tough. You got to be a different dude to play in this program. And that's what we want though. Right. Because that's our, that, that's what we, that we want our identity to be that type of guy. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, like stars are cool. I, I get it. I want to sign the number one class in the country, just like the next guy. Don't get me, don't get me wrong, but you know, there's so many other components and elements that go into it. There's so many factors that we place in, 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 in the in the equation ourselves from a staff, the things that we believe in and just the fit um, is is a, is a big one, too. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I look at it, but it's not the deciding factor by any stretch of the imagination. And I know I hear our fans and don't get me wrong. I, I, we get a guy committed and I see his rating rating go down and like it <laughs> it, 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 it kind of it, it jabs me a little bit. But oh, we do. Yeah. It, it is what it is. Hey, I, I look at it. And I'm like, hey, that's fine. You know, it, it's probably more, it probably sucks more for the kid than it does us. But um, at the end of the day, like, it, it's not, it's not the end all be all. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the NIL thing's interesting. Um, I look at it and I see some of the 
the propaganda or the, I guess it's propaganda. I don't know. I don't know if it's real or not, but I, I'm sitting there thinking it, it's still a developmental sport. I mean, how many guys have you seen come straight out of high school that can go straight into the NFL? Very few, maybe one or two since I've been following, uh, working in this business for 15 years, maybe, maybe one, maybe two. I don't know. Uh, how's a guy going to work and develop if he's got seven figures in the bank and he's in college? I mean, you, yeah. so so you got to evaluate that, right? That that middle, those critical factors, like you said. You know what I tell people all the time? It's like the equate. It's like the equivalent. If uh, if I were to go to the gas station down the street, buy a lotto ticket, and 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 pop it for seventy five million dollars, like <laughs> it's gonna be a hell of a lot harder to get my ass out of bed the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. And if, and, and I love what I do. I mean, I, I yeah. probably love what I do more than than ninety eight percent of America. But I will say, like, it would be real tough to come in here as motivated as I do every day um, if I had that kind of loot in the bank, you know. So it's the it, it's the same thing. You're right. You got to find the guys that are wired, wired the right way because if they're wired the right way, it doesn't make a crap if they're fifteen millionaire or if they're fifty if they got fifteen million dollars in they or they got fifteen dollars in the bank. So that's what you just gotta find the right dudes. Yeah, speaking of love of what you do, like y'all's position, and I say y'all because like I said, I've been on the media end of it. I've never done what you do, but it, 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 since I got into it in 04, the 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 job you have has become infinitely more important. And I, I remember it used to be you had a recruiting coordinator as one of your nine assistants, and, and he got a lot of hype, you know. And and then there you had the run, maybe a running backs coach that goes signs 15 guys. Right. And, 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 and so it was all kind of within the staff. You did have personnel guys, but I remember, um, you know, talking to my buddies that cover Alabama about Ed, Ed Marinowitz. And I, I know you know who he is. Uh, and that was kind of the first one where you go, hey, wait a minute. You know, he and the guy that went with Urban Meyer to Ohio State and some guys like that were kind of pioneers. Nowadays, y'all, that role has blossomed into things where, where you have guys going and being general managers of college programs and things of that nature. Just speak to that. And I guess that, that cottage industry or that industry uh, that you've kind of come of age in. And now what do you think the future is? Yeah. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, like our, our coaches are the ones that are the ones out on the road. They're the ones putting in a lot of the time and the effort to recruit the kid. You know, I don't, there's a couple of kids in every class that I have a special relationship with and I'm very prideful and happy about that. But, you know, I'm not as probably hands-on in the recruiting process or, or, or I should say our positions aren't as hands-on in the recruiting process as some may think, you know, we're a lot of the behind the scenes, like for example, with our coaches out on the road, like we're setting the schedule for next week, where are they going, who are they seeing, what are they doing? What are we trying to accomplish while they're there? getting all the information ready for them to take with them um, and then helping assist with the travel piece and rental cars and planes and hotels and whatever else they may need while they're out on the road. So, you know, that's a lot of what we're, I, I consider myself the air traffic controller this time of year. Um, now when you know, it's in the middle of the season, like we're, you know, I, I'm, I'm very instrumental and Hey, these are the guys we're phone calling this week. These are the guys we're writing letters to this week. These are the guys we're getting on the phone with the head coach this week. 
Um, and, and just making overseeing those camp, you know, the, the campus visit piece is very big for us. And we do a really good job here. Jessica and her staff do a great job of planning and preparation and executing when those kids and their families come on campus. So just, you know, that's that's really my time when I get a chance to be in front of them and interact with them. So, you know, it's very limited if you if you think about it with the amount of times that you're you're, you're talking and dealing with the kid in person. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, these roles, you know, I, I think with recruiting, uh, there's probably some people out there saying it's not necessary, but you know, if, if anybody that says that I, I, I dare them to come sit in my seat one day, because, you know, when you think about it, the way things are now, and, and this is so much different from even when Ed was in, at Alabama, you know, we're recruiting a 23 group, a 24 group, you got a, a, a it's small, but you got a, you got a, you got a handful of um, it's more than a handful, but you got a, a certain amount of 2025s that you're on right now. And then depending on the time of year, you better be very tied into what's going into that NCAA portal. So <laughs> that's almost four recruiting classes all at one time. Mm. And, and you're talking about managing boards and managing, you know, social media components and, you know, who's coming on campus and, what do we want to get out of the visit? I mean, it's it is a lot, and you know, that, like going back to when it was a tenth assistant or a ninth assistant, excuse me, that you know was your recruiting coordinator. Like, it's so very hard. Like, I don't see a coach being able to handle that plus everything else. Like, it's just the position has become so valuable and so important because it has the the, the volume of 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 what we're trying to do now, and it's the power of social media. Like you know, 15 years ago, you didn't know anybody in the 2024 class because they, they couldn't put their film anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now you got huddle. Now you got, you got Twitter where they can blast it all over. And, you know, the only way that you could find out about somebody is if you went into that school and that head coach or that assistant coach told you about that kid, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's changed and, and it's just a lot more to deal with and a lot more to handle. And that's why these positions have, uh, slowly evolved and developed and they've become such a, a, a crucial piece to any really program or operation. Got a couple more questions for you. You mentioned Jessica Jackson. Um, so the feedback I get from, from players and their families a lot, a lot about you, a lot about Jessica, and then two more people, Derek Moore and Luke Day. And none of those guys and gals are on the road. How valuable are those folks to the recruiting effort at South Carolina right now? So I'll tell you this, and I'm not saying this because they're ours, but I've never been around two people and I shouldn't say ever. I mean, there's been good ones I've been around, but I would put Luke and Derek in, in a category unlike anybody else because of just their personality and the way that they deliver messages and, you know, I think the thing that separates them aside from a lot of people that I know is those two guys walk into the building every single day. And, I, and I'm not I'm singling them out, but their staff as well. They walk into the building every single day. And the, the thing that's at the forefront of their mind is how can I help Shane Beamer be successful? And I think when that's the mindset and, that, and that's where that's what they truly uh, believe and that's how they feel then it changes everything. They don't do anything uh, that, that's not, that, that's, that solely benefits them. They do everything that's, that benefits the organization and the head coach. And, you know, just when somebody feels that way, it's, it's easy. It's an easy sales pitch. 
And when kids and their families get in front of those two guys and their staffs, it's, it's just, it's, it's organic. Like, it's not like, it's not fake. It's not fluff. Like you, you can tell that it's real. You feel that it's real. And, and they do such an excellent job of just connecting with individuals, whether it be our own players and, 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 or a recruit and their family. And um, they are, they're vital to our, our success. um, Not only day to day, but, from a recruiting standpoint, man, like when we put a kid in front of Derek Moore, I, I promise you this, I we have not set one kid in front of Derek Moore that didn't get up afterwards and say, hey, coach, can I get talking to Derek? Can I get your cell phone number? And nine times out of 10, they're going to start following up and connecting with each other through text messages. And that kid's going to call him. And it just seems to take our our recruiting of that individual to the next level. And then the same with Luke, like Luke does such a good job of when he presents on, on visits and, and then gives them the opportunity to connect beyond that. And then, you know, he'll come in my office and say, Hey, I was talking to so-and-so today. And I'm like, really, that's awesome. You know, but you can tell the ones that they're talking to because those kids are eager to get back on campus. They're eager to get back in front of them or, or, or connect with our staff again. Like, they make my job a heck of a lot easier. They make Coach Beamer's job a heck of a lot easier. And I know that our coaches feel the same way about them because they just – the amount that they're willing to pour in, not only to our current team, but to help build our team in, in, with future classes is, is incredible and it's, it's invaluable. All right, final question here with Taylor Edwards. All right, we just got done with the spring game. And, you know, it's a spring game. It's a scrimmage. I, I thought it was really well played. Um, but what I'm starting to notice, there are a lot of walk-ons in this program now. A lot of them are from in-state, some from out-of-state. They can play some football. I mean, maybe they're not starters or maybe even not special teamers, but one of the things I know that they did at Virginia Tech when when Shane, when Shane's dad was there was they had a great walk-on program. Uh, what can you say about the walk-on program? That's something not a lot of people like to talk about, but the fans out there – uh, took notice of a lot of those guys. And, um, you know, it seems to be something that can, you know, at the very least help practice and competition and things like that. Yeah. You know, those guys, you can't say enough about them. I mean, they don't get enough credit. They they do the same thing a scholarship guy does every single day. They're held to the same level of accountability every single day, just like a scholarship guy. Academically, they're held probably to a higher standard at times because, you, you darn sure don't want to lower the team GPA if you're a walk-on, right? <laughs> so, you know, um, all jokes aside, like, Coach does a fantastic job. He sits all of them down in a room to start the semester, and he says, listen, I don't care if you're on scholarship. I don't care where you came from. I don't care if you're not on scholarship. I don't care what your mother does, what your father – it doesn't matter to him, and it doesn't matter to any of us. We want the best players on the field, right? We're going to travel the best players to away games. We're going to dress the best players at home games. And the best players are going to be the ones that do the right thing on and off the field and give us the best chance to win football games on Saturday. And, you know, like you saw guys like Joe Burns who made made some plays in the spring game. You saw guys like B.J. Gibson, you know, in an area like – our secondary, I mean, we don't have a, a, a ton of depth. We got some young guys that are still expected to show up on campus. We got some young guys that went through spring and did a good job from a scholarship standpoint. But, you know, we're still trying to figure out what we have in those young guys. These guys have been in the program for a couple of years. They work hard and they're going to be able to provide some depth for us in some key roles 
and and may play an impact in week six. You know, when somebody rolls in here, we go on the road somewhere and, <clears throat> you you know, they may have to go in there and make a play. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm my mindset is right in line with what Coach Beamers is when it terms to when it comes to building a roster. Hey, look, everybody wants to go sign the four and five stars and and have a bunch of great players, right? But at the end of the day, if you want to build a roster, you got to start with a good foundation, and the way to start it is from the bottom up. And the way you do that is you get good walk-ons. We're expecting seven new walk-ons on campus in May that are uh, some of them are in state, some of them out of state, but guys that we identified that we think can help us. Um, I, I put a lot on our recruiting specialists back in the back, like keeping up with stuff like we're out on the road right now. And I was looking through notes this morning and, you know, there was like six names. Like, hey, great PWO prospect. That'd be a guy that we get to camp and we familiarize ourselves and we start the recruiting process, if you will, with a guy like that. And you you have to recruit those guys just as hard as you recruit scholarship guys at a lot of times and then let the kind of, let the chips fall where they may, whether it be financially or whatever they can afford to do. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it starts from the bottom up, in my opinion. And, and, and in order to do it the right way, you got to have good walk-ons that not only can maybe provide depth in key areas, but guys that um, you know, culturally fit what you are and can help, you know, those tentacles from the coaches and the head coach go even further in the locker room and guys that do the right things and, and work hard and, 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 and just, you know, they're, they're a vital part of the program. They don't get enough, you know, credit. I, I in fact, I, I commend the heck out of coach Staley, you know, after the national championship game, she's on the podium and, you know, she starts thinking people that are on the practice squad, essentially, that didn't get a chance to play in games. And she hit the nail on the head, in my opinion. I mean, I, I heard that. And I'm like, you know what, like that's so that not enough coaches do that. And coach Beamer is, is very much in line with that. He, he, he's, he's very much, I mean, we're a team. Like I, I don't, we don't care who's on scholarship and who's not. And we treat everybody the same way. And uh, our staff does a great job of that. But yeah, I mean, those guys, as you saw, they got an opportunity to play in the spring game and some of them made the most of it, man. I mean, I was very proud to see them uh, step up and, you know, it's fun. It's kind of like when a guy goes into a basketball game, you see it more, but you know, he gets an opportunity to take a, sh a shot and everybody on the bench is like holding their breath, until, <laughs> you know, until you see the result. Like you saw a lot of our guys on the sideline, you know, guy makes a play and everybody's going crazy because, you know, our scholarship guys, our guys that everybody's like, oh yeah, he's going to get drafted. Like they look at these guys and, and they love them and, and they, they appreciate them. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's, that's help on their legs and help on their body at practice every day. So, um, you know, you want the, what's best for those guys. And, and I, you know, you hope that a couple of them can, help you out in, in some areas like special teams and providing some depth. And, you know, we're proud of what we've uh, brought in here from a walk-on standpoint. And I'm very optimistic and excited to see what this new crop was going to bring, what, what this new crop's going to bring to us in May. All right, Taylor Edwards, appreciate you joining us today, man. A lot of good stuff. Uh, good luck uh, during this eval period on into May and the summer. And before you know it, the season will be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, man, I enjoyed it. Let me know uh, when we can do it again. Thank you. Uh, what a great, great interview with Taylor Edwards here inside the Gamecocks podcast. Um, so we're going to go uh, roll on like our normal show uh, with a few segments. <laughs> uh, uh, and while we do that, um, you know, especially the mailbag, we're going to get to the mailbag here in a little bit. Uh, by the way, congrats to the Gamecock baseball team last night beating Winthrop. Staying alive, staying alive, that kind of thing. Uh, good uh, rally uh, up there in Rock Hill uh, for the win. 
Got uh, got some baseball this weekend. They play uh, Auburn on the road. Yeah, number 19 Auburn uh, on the road. Um, not a lot of basketball news, anything like that. I'm just kind of looking through to see uh, things. All right, there was a welcome home uh, earlier this week. Uh, another one that has not announced yet. I expect that one to be announced uh, pretty quickly. Um, so you won't have to wait <laughs> to hear who the welcome home is. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, that means the commit. Uh, that means there was a commit for 2023. Uh, okay, I want to thank Cindy Sear Foss of Coldwell Banker Kane. Uh, as always, for being a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Cindy is married to a diehard Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate for over 35 years and would love to help you with any of your real estate needs. You can contact Cindy at 864 414 5271 or email her C Searfoss, C S E A R F O S S, at CBKane, C B C A I N E dot com. She is in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Uh, Spartanburg, Greenville, Greenwood, Union, Cherokee, wherever you're at in the upstate, you know how the real estate market is. Uh, I read the article uh, article the other day. I thought housing prices were coming down. Nope, still at a record high. Uh, so it may be time to sell. And Cindy is your person to contact. Again, 864-414-5271. Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. Um, you know, not much to say analysis-wise. I, I thought, you know, a lot of the things Taylor said you know, yours truly uh, has preached here uh, for a while. Uh, so we're going to get right into the uh, the daggum, uh, the deal here uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, mailbag questions. And uh, so I wanted to get that there. And uh, as we know, I help consulting sponsors the mailbag. Uh, but, you know, we're going to uh, – Talk about them here in a little bit. So there's two ways to get the mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, uh, and also follow that account on Twitter. 844 followers, trying to get to a thousand by the season, folks. So uh, please, please uh, give that one a follow. Going to do some stuff, um, you know, on that account. We have stuff on that account that's not always on the other accounts. So please give that a follow. Uh, and then you can email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, first one in from Gamecock Fan 3, JC, single most important 2023 recruit we have to land. Uh, all right, so I have a different take on this. I think it's always important to sign the top guys in state. So I would say right now it's a cross between Xavier McLeod and Marquis Anderson. Uh, I don't think they're getting Monroe Freeling, but I, I, I'm not a big, like, Monroe Freeling guy. You know, I, I think Anderson's better, and I certainly think the 2024 kids are better. Maybe I'll be wrong. I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. Uh, but just based on some feedback, uh, you know, to me, he's kind of more of a camp guy. I don't know. I, I just have some questions. Uh, and it's not because, I mean, if you were committed to Carolina, I'd, I'd tell you the same thing. You know, that, that's the kind of deal – uh, I have, you know, I'm not always fired up about the players the Gamecocks take, and I tell you. Uh, but, um, you know, so I would say of the guys they're in it for, Marquis, Xavier McLeod, Montague, Reigns, if it's Montague or if it's Montague, I don't know. Uh, I probably mispronounced Reigns' name. He's from Sumter, the defensive lineman. So those guys, uh, I think, are paramount. Uh, I think those guys, uh, you know, within the state. Now, before you ask, I don't know who – uh, Taylor was talking about earlier about an in-state guy that's going to come down to Carolina and Paul. 
uh, maybe a 2024 kid. The Paul, obviously, I would think it's Clemson. The Paul, it sounded like DePaul. DePaul doesn't have a football team. Or if they, no, I don't think they have a football team. DePaul in Nebraska with a W does, but they're Division Three. So, uh, you know, uh, I think it's the Paul is what he's saying. Uh, and I don't know who he's talking about there. But, um, you know, so it would be a tie for me. Uh, you know, you look at kind of the, the needs of this football team. I still think they need receivers. Uh, you know, how that comes about, uh, who knows? They need tight ends. Uh, how that comes about, who knows? Um, but I, I think that, uh, you know, you always want to restock your offensive line. Offensive line is going to be important, too, the next two cycles. Uh, but I think right now at South Carolina, the Gamecocks, you know, if you're talking about recruiting, the, the first order of business, in my opinion, uh, is to start getting, you know, landing 90% of the in-state t- talent that you want to go get. And uh, I'll always think that's important. Uh, it's not always a bunch of guys. 90% could be four guys. But, uh, you know, right now, Xavier McLeod, Marky Anderson, Montague Rames. I, I like saying Montague better than Montique. Uh, but uh, those three guys uh, in state, it's always important to recruit your state because you're if you're the popular pick in state, and the Gamecocks have been guys, I mean, look, uh, Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens and Cam Smith are were three elite guys. Uh, Georgia wanted Cam Smith badly. You can start to see why now. Obviously, the whole country wanted Jordan Birch. Obviously, Clemson and Georgia wanted Zach Pickens. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, but uh, that's um, you know that's. You know, <laughs> that's uh, that, that's pretty good. Sorry, I just got a text that kind of distracted me there. Um, and that's during a period where Clemson's winning national championships and all that. And, you know, look, Clemson, uh, give them credit. They had uh, receivers that they needed to get, and Clemson's a great sell for receivers. Uh, and um, they had uh, guys in Greenville County last year. So whenever they've got that, you know, they're going to get those guys. Uh, hopefully the receiver thing changes, you know. Uh, but, man, you, you really think about the history with Clemson. Uh, there's a long list of wide receivers that Clemson did not even recruit. Uh, Debo Samuel, by the way, I hope, I hope Debo finds a great place uh, to kind of um, – land and play football. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting story there. Demo Samuel, Sidney Rice, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, didn't, Clemson didn't, didn't offer any of them. I mean, they, they threw a, uh, a courtesy offer at uh, Sydney and, and turned him down because he would have gone there late. That was after 63-17. Uh, Chris Rump was Alshon Jeffrey's cousin or uncle or something or as, a, as a relative in he didn't understand why they didn't want Alshon, you know, uh, you, know you, you can go Bruce Ellington who they had Andre Ellington and, you know, Bruce of course was a basketball guy, but uh, football, I, you know, look, uh, so that's kind of an interesting dynamic from within the state. Now the kid from Myrtle Beach, they got and Antonio Williams, obviously are studs. Carolina would have taken them. The, the kid from Myrtle Beach got uh, obviously blew out his ACL. I feel bad for him for that, but, he was projected to play um, 
but so so the receiver thing maybe it doesn't turn you know I, I don't know you know I, it, 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 maybe you just go get the guys that Clemson doesn't want in state you take your chances they didn't want Brian Edwards they wanted Edwards as a uh, as a safety they they did not want Debo they did not want Shy Smith all those guys are in the NFL so you know, I don't know I don't know how you how you square that but South Carolina you know needs to get back to that so thank you Gamecock fan three uh, Jay Gibb. Toughest game on the schedule for 2022. Uh, hate to keep talking about the arch rival here, but I think it's the game at the end of the season, and I'll tell you why. Uh, and look, historically, South Carolina's played better at Death Valley than they have at williams Bryce in this rivalry uh, a lot of years, uh, especially back you know, like in the 90s. I think Gamecocks won three in a row up there, and Clemson won three, four, five in a row in Columbia. Uh, if you look at the numbers with the overall series, Gamecocks have not, you know, and, and really the since 2016, the most uh, competitive game uh, was 18 up at Clemson. Gamecocks just couldn't deplete the defense, couldn't stop them. Uh, and, and Georgia and Texas A&M are up there too, but those games are at home, you know. And A&M, I think the Gamecocks get them. The Gamecocks are coming off a bye. A&M's coming off a of Bama. And they got to come to Columbia. You have to think at some point that game will be close again. And I, and I think A&M, you better get them this year, you know, provided that recruiting class does pan out. I don't know if it will or not, just because of some of the rumors uh, and the money, like we talked about with Taylor earlier. But, you know, that, that, that to me is not as daunting as going to Death Valley in November. Uh, and Georgia, with their personnel losses, they've also come to Columbia now. You know, Georgia's kind of ran it up on the Gamecocks under Kirby Smart uh, coming to Columbia. But but they've all kind of been sort of – the 2018 game was was disappointing and a little bit embarrassing, to be honest. Uh, but 2016, that was that game that got rescheduled from a Sunday. I thought the Gamecocks actually played – I mean, it was 21-14 late. Gamecocks just didn't have any offense at all, neither did Georgia. Uh, and, and then during the pandemic, 2020 – that game was 45-16. Carolina just was not going to stop them. You know, I don't think Amherst actually did some nice things in that one under Mike Bobo. But, uh, you know, and then, then this past year in Athens, it's, you know, nobody really did all that well. Um, but to me, you know, given Georgia's personnel losses, it's not as tough. Now, with Clemson, who knows what both teams are going to look like uh, when we get into that point. But I, 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 I will say Clemson until it isn't. Because I'm going to sit there and just – I'm not going to predict a win over those guys. And, look, I'll tell you, other people in my position on the Clemson end, Chris Ard, uh, I remember him writing before the 2014 Clemson-Carolina game that until Dabo beats Spurrier, he's not going to pick it. And he picked Carolina to win when Clemson won, and they got on their current streak. But uh, until the Gamecocks compete uh, in that game, you know, it's hard to pick them. Now, there are reasons every year why they haven't, uh, you know, First and foremost, Clemson's been damn good. But, you know, last year that offense versus that defense was not going to happen. And then uh, for some reason in 2017 and 2021, both uh, in front of a big crowd at night, uh, both Carolina defenses were pretty good and both picked that game to just not play well. So is it mental? I don't know. I don't know. But it's Clemson, Jacob. It's Clemson. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you chiming in so there we go uh all right the iHealth consulting mailbag 
uh, moves forward, I want to tell you about iHealth Consultant. Uh, it is a Gamecock owned and operated company by my friend Daniel Owens, and their only, only goal is to help businesses save money on expenses, you know, and you're looking to save money, looking to save time. That's what iHelp does. You may be paying too much for credit card processing. Daniel uh, hooked me up with a sweet deal. I'm in need of a credit card processor for the uh, new NIL collective that I started. Uh, I've already launched that uh, and got more ways to pay coming up. And uh, Daniel's helping me with that. Uh, Internet insurance, anything else that your business pays out for, iHelp can find you the most savings without sacrificing quality. And if you can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. So it's not like a normal consultant says, give me 25 grand and then we'll see what happens. Uh, if I help, can't help your business, it's no cost to you at all. So call or text Daniel at iHelp, 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? Yeah, Carolina Rise, by the way. Uh, some of you that did get in on the mailbag, um, let me tell you how this thing works. It's, it's an NIL collective. Uh, the money that, that goes into it, you know, you become a, a member or whatever, it all goes to the players. Um, and you look around, guys, you know, Tennessee, $30 million for a recruiting class. You look at Clemson, they've already raised $5.5 uh, million, uh, you know, and, and that number's out there. You know, goodness gracious, I mean – uh, Nick Saban says the other day, you know, Alabama players have made 1.7 billion since he's been there, and then they made more money on NIL than anybody in the country. Uh, so if you're the Gamecocks, you know, you, you, there's not a lot of billionaires walking around, you know, that, that are big Gamecock fans, right? Uh, but the power is in the numbers. So uh, those of you out there, you know, I, I don't want to just respond because you've gotten in the mailbag and say, here's the link, give me money and donate. But if you want to send me an email, I'll send you the link. Uh, we've got PayPal up and running. You don't have to have PayPal to do it. You put your credit card in there. Uh, 10 bucks, 20 bucks a month. You know, I, I uh, and this is for the audience that's out there. That's not maybe members of the big You know, this, this podcast is free. Uh, I do have some, some sponsors. It doesn't, I mean, I don't get rich off of it. It basically covers part of my time to do it. Uh, and, and I'd never go like subscription, you know, with this, like charge you guys $2.99 a month or whatever. But how you can help me help the Gamecocks and help the players and help even the playing field is to, you know, get involved with Carolina Rise. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of people that have signed up so far, 20 bucks a month. Man, that helps. 25 helps. 50 is good. 100 is good. Uh, I know not everybody's going to be able to afford, you know, a bunch of money, you know, to, to do this. But if, if we all chip in, you know, I think that the game nation is powerful in that way. You know, uh, it's like small dollar donations with politics. And, I, and I'll say this, I'm, I've already pledged 550 bucks a month out of my own money and another 150 out of the big spur. Uh, you know, it's about $8,400 a year. You know, and we've got folks that have gone over that. We've got a lot of folks that are under that. But, you know, there's no discrimination, whatever you can afford. You know, we got some folks giving, you know, $10 a month. They're great. You know, no discrimination. Now, 
if right now we're looking for our first 100 and we're getting close there. Uh, and if you're one of the first 100 and you give, you sign up uh, to give 15 bucks a month or more, uh, you know, bottom is 15. We appreciate the tens, even the fives. That's fine. Uh, please do it. But, you know, 15 or more, you get a swag bag, <laughs> uh, you know, which is some gear and some stuff like that, special gifts uh, for our donors for the first 100, just because this is kind of an early bird thing. The website will be up next week. Uh, it'll be more official where you can read for it. So, so if you want to wait, that's fine too. But if you're with the mailbag and uh, you email in, I don't want to get on Twitter with this or anything. You email in, and you want the link, you're interested in donating, send me the link, I'll shoot it right back to you. It's a really easy process to do, but that's going to help, you know, with this one and Garnet Trust and then some other things, you know, South Carolina, uh, it's a little daunting when you look around and you see this uh, at some other schools, you know, especially the thing at Tennessee. And, you know, I've always said the worst thing they could have in South Carolina is for Tennessee to start coming back into the state and getting players like they used to. Um you know, money's money. And uh, I haven't seen them totally active in South Carolina just yet, but there will come a day. Uh, you know, I mentioned Clemson's numbers and I've mentioned, you know, some other schools. Uh, you know, you got to be able to at least compete. I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't think anybody's going to, in their right mind, should go pay $30 million for a recruiting class. Uh, I think you're looking at trouble there uh, as far as that recruiting class developing. But, you know, I, I do think that having a robust NIL program and multiple outlets where you know, they've got resources can help not only football, but men's basketball. I know uh, that's a big focus of uh, Carolina Rise. Um, basketball is a different animal in a lot of ways, but uh, we need resources. And uh, again, I'll tell you this, I am not making any money. I'm not, I'm not taking any money for my time off of it. I'm putting my own money into it, uh, donating a lot. Uh, the only things that don't go to the players are for, you know, things like stamps or postage or you, you run of the mill, you know, server space for the site, uh, credit card fees, things like that. You know, the cost of doing business. Um, so please, you know, if you're interested in Carolina Rise, shoot me an email, I'll shoot you that link right back. Uh, and then later on, we have the site on uh, up or whatever. I, I probably will be reaching out and just send the link to the site. But I don't, I don't want to just hit everybody up that sent me an email and say, "Hey, here's a PayPal link to go down." I mean, that, that seems a little shady, right? But I hope I explained it. All right, first email comes in from Sean. JC, I heard on the podcast uh, yesterday. You said recruiting analysts are determining the market value of players and how you think they shouldn't be the ones to determine that. To me, even if that isn't the case, if schools want to pay $2 million for the potential of an elite quarterback that in their eyes will change the program, why can't they? Isn't your value determined by what someone is willing to pay? Uh, it is. Uh, I, I agree with you there in terms of, you know, getting what you can. Uh, my point of all this is that, you know, the way that the market is being set you know, number one, I think there's people out there that don't have the, the you know, the best interest of the players in mind. And, and like, look, let me just tell you this. I have no doubt that Spencer Rattler would be worth more than $2 million this year to play for the Gamecocks. Okay. 
I have no doubt that Trevor Lawrence is worth probably way more than that as far as Clemson was concerned. Uh, you know, I you know, there, there's no question. You know, those freaks on Georgia's defense last year, there's about three or four of them. Seven figures, no question. But they wouldn't have gotten it straight out of high school. You know, uh, even Trevor had to get – it was kind of like a three-game to four-game development, right, when he was behind Kelly Bryant. But even Trevor needed to come in. And, and you know, what I was told by my Clemson folks is that, yeah, first couple of weeks he was shaky, but then he got back. Well, you know, what you're looking at, I think, and Taylor mentioned this earlier, is that, you know, it's going to be kind of hard to motivate when you got that much in the bank. Football's hard. Football's hard. Um, so I don't want you to think that I don't believe that players in college should get lucrative NIL deals. That's not true. That's why we started Carolina Rise. I absolutely believe that. I just think that it's a slippery slope when you're talking about as they do in the athletic and everywhere else. And, and this is really only like 10% of the programs out there blatantly doing this and a bunch of lawyers and a bunch of media members who want to you know, socialize the sport or unionize the sport or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I agree with Nick Saban on, you know, provide opportunities for your players to get here and, and let them earn it and let the, the, the actual market determine it uh, and not hype, not hype, because that's exactly what it is. It's hype. Folks, recruiting rankings are hype. Uh, they're for fans, you know, and they matter. You always want to sign more four and five stars than three stars. They matter. But, I, you know, it's bad enough that fans get, you know, that you have a team and another team, you know, a lot, a lot of fans just look at the recruiting rankings and they go, we don't have a chance in this game because, my goodness, they, they, they had a top five class a couple of years ago. And never mind the fact half that class, all the five stars are gone because they busted or got in trouble or transferred or whatever. And a bunch of the four stars are gone and they're starting guys that were more lightly recruited than your guys. Oh, well, but they've recruited in the top. You know, and, and what that does is a trickle down effect psychologically on your players. You know, your three-star guys come in and they, they feel like, oh gosh, this team has a bunch of five stars. We can't, we can't compete. And I, before you say it, I know Shane Beamer talked about that. I, I wish you wouldn't have used the term five-star. I wish you'd use the term NFL player when he talked about Georgia's defense because one of the best players on that defense was a three-star offensive lineman that they developed, Jordan Davis. You think Jordan Davis, if he'd have gotten $2 million out of uh, Charlotte to sign with Georgia as an uh, offensive line prospect that needed to get in shape, you think he would have done what it took to, to be the monster he was? How about Trevon Walker? If he'd have gotten two million, no. And look, I'm not naive. A lot of these guys have been getting paid, but not that much. Believe me. And I'm not going to get into what everybody has gotten under the table over the years. But let's just say, yeah, occasionally you got a six figures. Occasionally, occasionally. <laughs> now you're talking seven, and in some cases, close to eight. To me, that's BS. Um, so, so that's the deal. And yeah, your value is, you're right, Sean, determined by what someone is willing to pay. Uh, but there's a difference between that monetary value based on hype and your actual football value. And that's, that's what I'm, I would be concerned about. I, I don't have any, it's, America, it's the United States of America. I have no problem people getting money. 
Uh, what I am concerned about and, and why, you know, number one, why I started Carolina Rise, and number two, why uh, I, I tell you this, is I feel like this fan base, which has been through a lot, will start to kind of give up if they start to see, you know, all this money being thrown around at these schools uh, just because those schools have it, uh, it, it because of the attachment to the star ratings. Uh, and I'm telling everybody that I want to stress there's another there's another piece to it, another piece. Even in Georgia with all those those guys, I mean, Georgia's defense in 2020, I mean, I still remember watching the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I'll never stop calling it that. Uh, and Florida had 38 at the half with a, you know, a two-star quarterback and a, a low four-star tight end and that was killing them, right? And some converted quarterbacks. Uh, same guys, same guys as this year. Uh, you know, 20, 2019, Georgia's defense is pretty salty, but, you know, seem to remember the Gamecocks with Holinsky and then the Karen Joyner scratching out yards, you know, being able to run the ball. You know, they weren't, they weren't how they are now then, how they were this past year then. So it's a developmental game no matter how many stars you've got. Uh, and, and that's the concern is where is the motivation? And, and that's why I think, you know, the Tennessee folks, do you think that they went and psychologically profiled the quarterback from California before handing him that deal? No. They looked at his star rating and the coaches really like his talent. He's a good fit for that offense. They don't look at anything else. So there's another piece to it. Uh, side note, he said, I listened to the Jay Billis interview on JC and Morgan. I really wish you to participate in that. would have been so good of a back and forth. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my thing was this with it. Uh, number one, I, I don't want to debate basketball with Jay Billis. Uh, as far as the NIL stuff and, and all that, I was sore, kind of a sore throat that day. I don't know if you heard it uh, after Mike uh, got off with him. You know, so I just kind of let Mike go with it. Mike's a much better – I know I just interviewed Taylor Edwards, and I was kind of proud of myself for it. Mike's a much better interviewer than I am. Um, and so a lot of times when we have guests, I'll have one or two questions. But but that's about it because I tend to jump in with my opinion uh, and all that. And, you know, I don't think he bring Jay Billis. Jay, Jay was really nice to give us his time. He was sitting in his car having lunch with his family. Um, so really nice. So, so I don't think that you uh, – I don't think that you sit there and go, ah, well, let's, uh, let's, let's let Jay debate JC on NIL. I, I just – you know, I don't know that you do that or not. That's kind of gotcha stuff. Uh, to me, if I saw that, I'd be like, JC and Mike are begging for relevance. But, yeah, I agree. It would have been a good back and forth. And I don't disagree with Jay on a lot of I don't. I think this NIL thing, the reason it's being uh, constructed as a recruiting tool now, and that's everywhere. Look, look, I mean, I mentioned Carolina Rise. Uh, it's going to help recruiting, <laughs> you know, you can't go use it to, you can't go say, Hey, we're going to give you this, that, and the other. I mean, I guess you can, uh, Tennessee's doing it, but or the Tennessee folks are doing it, but you know, that contract, the kids signed from California, the quarterback, they owe that company owes him 8 million, even if he decides not to go to Tennessee. Yeah. Not doing that folks. I'll be better stewards of money than that. Uh, but you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, he's going. Um, but what you can do is you can say, this is, this is, 
you know, you got these collectives. This is how much they pay out usually for NIL, for players of your status, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All right. But yeah, it, it would have been, but yeah, the NCAA screwed this up by not saying, all right, we're going to let you do it. But, you know, here's how much per school. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you could have done it. But, and then you get into free market things and all that. But anyway, Sean, I appreciate uh, appreciate that. Let me know if you want the link to donate. Cartwright. Hey, JC, here's an extremely random question for you. I grew up wearing the official Zephyr fitted Gamecock baseball hats. I would wear them until they wore out and bought a new one. Ever since they switched to Under Armour. The official baseball fitted Gamecock hats are nowhere to be found. I feel like I remember this being an issue before the supply chain became an issue. Any insight on this? I've looked online a bit at Adam's bookstore door in person too. It's a pretty random question, but I miss having the hat the players wear on the field. Um, Try Amazon. Like I was looking for some South Dakota state gear the other day and I found it on Amazon. <laughs> Uh, and, and that Amazon has like thousands of sellers and, and there may be uh, somebody out there that says college baseball stuff. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see that. All right. Certainly appreciate uh, you Cartwright. Don't be a stranger. If you want that, uh, that link, sign up for your monthly contribution. Like I said, five, 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever, every bit, every bit helps. And if you sign up and get more than 15 a month, first 100, you get a swag bag. Got to give me a couple months on the swag bag, like I said, because of the supply chain, but I got stuff ordered, got the logo today and all that. Look sharp, look sharp. All right. Thanks to Taylor Edwards for joining me here on the Inside the Gamecast podcast. Thanks to all of you that listen and have made this. Uh, Rankings Wise, the number one podcast in the Gamecock market. Uh, I love doing this. Uh, glad we could have done we've done it more often you know the last couple of weeks three episodes right now that's kind of a sweet spot uh, and I'll be back with you guys next week with more fun and shenanigans and all that stuff maybe we'll know uh, a little bit about uh, some recruits maybe not by that point in time all right JC Sherbert of the Inside the Game Guys podcast signing off everyone have a wonderful day